This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Becky Vivi in for Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. For Rabbi Robert J. Marks, the entire point of being a person of faith was to fight acts of discrimination and prejudice in his community and beyond. I've said the Jewish community has to not only be concerned with its own fate, not only continually repeat the record of lamentation and woe and talk about how we were persecuted, but while doing that, we have to realize that other people are experiencing what to them is a holocaust, what to them is a terrible crime and injustice, and I want us to be able to help them. That was Rabbi Mark speaking with WBEZ back in 1998 about the mission of the Jewish Council on Urban Affairs. He founded that organization in 1964 as a way to mobilize the Jewish community to be a powerful voice for economic, racial, and social justice. Rabbi Marx died peacefully at his home last weekend on the Passover holiday with his family by his side. He was 93. Joining us now to talk about his life and legacy is Rabbi Bruce Elder of Congregation Hakafa. Rabbi Elder, welcome to Reset. Uh, thank you so much. Also with us is Rami Nashashibi, founding executive director of Iman. That's the Inner City Muslim Action Network. Hi, Rami. Hello. So I, I just want to say to both of you, I'm very sorry for this loss. Um, I know Rabbi Marx was a close friend and a mentor to both of you. Rabbi Alder, let's start with you. Uh, who was Rabbi Marx to you? Oh, that's a question. Um, first of all, Rami, it's nice to hear your voice. I came to the rabbinate through the Jewish Council on Urban Affairs. I was hired there in 1989. So I was actually oriented around my decision to become a rabbi through my getting to know him and the work of the Jewish Council on Urban Affairs. So first and foremost, he was a role model, and he very quickly became a mentor, a confidant, a friend, just someone very close and very dear to me through my adult life. And Rami, how about you? What did Rabbi Marx mean to you? Well, first, um, my profound condolences to the entire Chicagoland Jewish community in this sacred space and moment and to all of us, honestly, who've lost a giant and to you, my dear beloved brother, uh, Rabbi Elder, it's great being on the show with you. Not unlike the rabbi, he was a mentor, a person who honestly, for a kid who's the son of Palestinian refugees who experienced their own trauma and pain and suffering and came to the South Side of Chicago, he was, and the organization he founded, a profound intervention for me in better understanding and appreciating a completely different version of Judaism and the Jewish experience than I had other ever experienced as a young Palestinian. He was a, a civil rights icon that you should have heard of that, unfortunately, many have not. And a dear... I think, a scholar and just a very close, humble, beautiful friend. Mm -hmm. 
Rabbi Alder, you you mentioned you worked with Rabbi Marx during your time at JCUA. Could you talk more about the the mission he had in mind when he founded that organization back in 1964 and, and how that reflected in all the work he did over the years? So he developed this idea of Jews being an interstitial people, a people in between back in the 1950s, and he really used that philosophy to guide his life and the founding of JCUA which looking through the course of history saw Jews never being of the power structure of the masses, but somewhere in between, often to the detriment of the Jewish people, and felt that we should be able to take that position and use it to a positive to be a bridge builder instead of seeing a destruction amongst the different classes. So that kind of philosophy and belief was at the core of the Jewish Council on Urban Affairs, using our particular position to really to reach out, when invited actually, when reached out to, to, from disempowered people to hear what they were really trying to say in terms of what they needed to have a place at the table and to humbly, as Rami just said, to humbly use our skills and our positioning to try to help make that happen. I want to play us something that Rabbi Mark said in that interview uh, with WBEZ back in 98. He talked a little bit about the the vision of what Judaism should be in the broader society. Let's listen to what he, he had to say. We're saying that Judaism inherently is concerned with justice and that in terms of even of Jewish interests, the best way to promote Jewish interests is to bridge the gaps in our society, to create smaller differences between the very rich and the very poor, the very powerful and the very weak. Rabbi Elder, talk a little more about his activism and, and how it sparked na- really a national movement for uh, uh, social justice. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call it activism. I would call it for him Judaism. He was just living his life as a Jew. And bringing to it this kind of power that Rami referred to and humility and just determination to affect change step by step and doing it by elevating voices that have traditionally been disempowered. We see that everywhere now, thank goodness, as these movements are taking off, Black Lives Matter and and what have you. But he was really ahead of this time 50 years ago trying to promote those ideas of elevating voices and doing so in the way that he did. And it had national implications, not just on issues of race, but issues of worker justice, issues of, to some extent, Palestinian rights as well, to which Rami can speak. So that kind of having that kind of orientation and his way of doing it uh, attracted people and brought a following. Right. Rami, as someone in a, you know another religion, I'm wondering, you know, how did Rabbi Marx bridge these and make these connections. Tell us a little more about his approach and and the work that he did in in connecting groups from various different, you know, places. You know, first, I think it's just important uh, that we understand Rabbi Marx's just role in a city like Chicago and in the larger history of civil rights activism, uh, uh, mobilizing against things like redlining and, and housing segregation he is perhaps one of the most underappreciated faith leaders for all of our communities that leveraged an unapologetic and just very deep engagement with his own faith tradition to lift up the what I'd like to think about in the community organizing world as the profound gaps between our professed ideals and lived realities. Mm. Uh, Rabbi Marx challenged 
his own faith community, and in doing so, gave us a model for all faith leaders on what that type of challenge can look like when facing and confronting the evils of our day. What does that look like? I mean, how do you challenge your own congregation or your own group, your own communities to to think well, about? Among the things that Rabbi Marx, I think, uh, left a profound, indelible, kind of just enduring legacy uh, was that precisely. In fact, uh, when Martin Luther King came to Marquette Park in August 1966, uh, at the time, Rabbi Marx was assigned to be a neutral, quote unquote, observer by a congregation of uh, Hebrew synagogues at the time. He wrote a three-page letter on Shabbat to that community that I have carried around with me mm. across the globe. Wow. And I consider outside of letters, like a letter from a Birmingham jail, perhaps one of the most profound letters of a faith leader to uh, his or her own faith community I've ever read in the 20th century. And it in fact does just that. It says, on a moment like this, when King was marching into Marquette Park, we cannot afford to be on the fence. We must choose one side of the road or the other. We must be willing to confront our own communities. We must be willing to challenge our own communities to stand up and not to run, not to run away from confronting that challenging fear and anxiety that sometimes comes with taking the right stand uh, and not to do so with some type of bravado. He was, again, ever so humble in any position he ever took, but he was constantly demonstrating what in, in the Muslim tradition comes from a Quranic verse that says, Be people of justice, even if it means standing against your own self. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I saw in his words, in his life example, and just in his entire spirit, the embodiment of that tradition. You mentioned, um, you know, his his work with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s campaigns here in Chicago. They also marched together in Chicago and also in Sel Selma, Alabama. I want to listen to a bit of, of Rabbi Marx talking about his relationship to Dr. King in an interview with WBEZ in 2004. Dr. King sent me a telegram uh, asking me to come down and join him in Selma, Alabama, uh, which I did indeed. And when it turned out that he was coming to Chicago, there were a, a, quite a large group of us, many of us still active in the civil rights cause, who came together in various ways to help welcome Dr. King to Chicago and to work with him. Rabbi Elder, could you talk a little more, too, about uh, the relationship Rabbi Marx built with the black community here in Chicago? Uh, yes, thank you for that. As important to Rabbi Marx, one of the, I, I had the honor of being with him two weeks ago, the day after he had his heart attack. I went up there and spent a good amount of time with him. And he reiterated to me that as important as it was for him to be in Selma, as important as it was for him to be in Marquette Park, Gage Park, to be marching with Dr. King, is that by far more important to him, to him those were moments, really important moments, but moments. What really mattered to him were the moments that started to affect change, that moments uh, built up. So for him, much more than those two events, as important as they were, was his work with the West Side Federation and the Contract Buyers League in the 60s. Oh, yeah. When uh, houses were being sold on the West Side to 
African-American families that inflated uh, interest rates on contract, that if a family missed a payment, they would be evicted. Yep. A group of them organized to fight against that. Rabbi Marks, Roberts, and Jack Egan and a few others fought next to, with, and, and supporting the black community and pushing back on that. To the extent that they were even getting shot at as they were helping families put who were evicted who were evicted, putting their stuff back in their houses. Now, speak about what Rami was was saying. A number of the people that were selling those houses on contract were big givers in the Jewish community. Mm. And pressure came to bear on Robert because of that, and he suffered because of it. But he would not have changed it for a moment. Interesting. That solidified the relationship ultimately with JCUA and the African American community because it showed communities that he spoke, but he also walked the walk and he did it how he did it in his way. Wow. You know, both of you are talking about how you try to channel Rabbi Marx now in your work. I'm curious. Our country right now, we have a lot of evangelical Christians who, you know, after four years with President Donald Trump in office, have, you know, potentially created more division. And there's a lot of contradiction there. And I'm wondering how you work today to cross faiths and cross community groups to work together, even even though there are a lot of um, divisions. So if, if I can go first. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so two things. One, I think that for the previous 20 years, uh, up until about five or six years ago, the liberal or moderate religious voice ceded this public space to more radical voices, um, particularly from the right. And the need for progressive religious voices is one of the things that JCU has always been about. And there's been a proliferation of, of organizations across all kinds of religion, denominations, and movements that are building upon a liberal progressive voice coming together to share that space, to show that God is not only in the realm of those who have the most extreme views, that God is not about separation and difference, but about coming together through our different views of God to one common understanding of humanity. But let me also add to that that one of the things that Robert always taught me as the rabbi who worked with him at Hakafa, who learned of him from, from JCUA, was two things. One is that when we talk, it's not about us. It's about what comes through us. Mm. And number two, that we should always speak to ideas and not personalities. That we should fight against oppression, but not demean those whom we deem to be the oppressors. That we are to speak out against racism and homelessness, not against racists and slumlords. Mm. That we should stand up to power but not to debase ourselves by belittling individuals in power, that the strength of our convictions that led us to stand there in the first place should be compelling enough to carry us, no matter how much those individuals with whom we disagree might incense or enrage us. Given the religious space, that is what we need to occupy in concert, in union, and with humility with others. And Rami, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think everything that the rabbi just so eloquently articulated as kind of these undergirding and overarching values are some of the most transcendent, I think, and universal values in all of our faith traditions. And I think both Rabbi Marx and the Jewish Council of Urban Affairs became a model, um, quite frankly, even, even for an organization like the one I've been you know, privileged to be the founding executive director of the Inner City Muslim Action Network, which 
now is going on to our 22nd year, our first real strategic planning technical assistance over close to 20 years ago came, I think, not coincidentally now through the Jewish Council of Urban Affairs. And JCUA became the kind of model that allowed us to see that you can be unapologetically rooted in the actual core of your tradition's values and still be the uh, voice, a transcendent voice for justice and mercy. That's certainly at the heart of the way we understand the Muslim tradition. It's resonant with, I think, the way we connect the best of traditions uh, all around us in communities like Marquette Park and across the South and West sides. And I think the idea of communities coming together around how those principles are lived out in actual relevant space. And this is a point that I think Rabbi Marx also spoke about often and was actually, you know, uh, the theme of, of much of that letter that I re uh, referenced on in, in August 1966, which is, you know, faiths can talk about a whole bunch of things. Faith leaders can talk about a whole bunch of things. They can obsess about the concerns that are confronting uh, parts of their congregation around faith identity or the loss of faith. But the most powerful remedy to all of those things is when our faith communities and our faith traditions remain relevant to the cause of justice and peace, truth and reconciliation in the communities that we live. And I think that principle is partly, I think, the, so instructive for us today as it was to Rabbi Marx many years ago. And in so many ways, his analysis in the 60s and the 70s of the way in which faith communities either became marginalized to some of those issues are absolutely relevant today, unless our faith communities are part of the ways in which groups like JCUA and Iman are addressing the ways in which racism, white supremacy, and the types of ills that kind of perpetuate uh, on so many systemic structures throughout this country, unless we are at the table thinking of solutions, that those solutions will be bereft of a really important uh, spiritual voices, and they will then be left to others who, as the rabbi said, articulate a much more extreme version of those uh, right. traditions. Right. Yeah. We only have a few uh, seconds here, but I know there's a public memorial coming for Rabbi Marx in the coming weeks. Uh, rabbi Elder, I know you're facilitating that, and you also started writing his eulogy. In the last minute, can you share a little bit of what you have so far? What I will say to you, uh, I feel very blessed and honored to have had him in my life. I loved him deeply and will continue to allow his messages to resonate. And I can only hope that I can carry on his honor, his message, and his hope uh, moving forward. Thank you for both of you for sharing uh, uh, his life and legacy with us today on Reset. And that's today's Reset. If you like conversations like this, with Chicagoans working to make our city an even better place to live, keep your ears on this podcast. We drop a new one in your feed Monday through Friday, and usually you get a bonus pod for the weekend. Just make sure to hit the subscribe button. I'm Becky Vivi. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you back here tomorrow for the weekly news recap from Reset and WBEZ Chicago. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.